Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Mess Hall Podcast. But it's more than the Mess Hall podcast today because we have the guys from the Epic Podcast. Hey, hello. So, what, <laughs> big Mess Hall. Yeah, so thanks for joining us, and we're excited for joining you guys as well for your emergency pre- preparedness week. So that's right, it is emergency preparedness week. It's yeah. one of the the least known weeks out there. There's so many different weeks, and it's uh, a little difficult right now because everyone's in COVID mode. But there's so many other emergencies that need to be talked about so thank you for having us on and i am starving (laughs) (laughs) well the great thing about this podcast is we do try foods we get to eat foods but one of my goals is for the people listening i hope they're hungry afterwards so and i hope they're hungry for not just for food today but also being prepared for what it takes (laughs) if there is an emergency that right. wasn't a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I love my segues. You made it. You, it was a perfect segue. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So do you guys yeah. want to talk a little bit about your podcast and what sure, goes Josh, on with take it? it away. Yeah. yeah. So our podcast is uh, called Emergency Preparedness in Canada. And uh, both Grayson and I work in emergency management. So we talk about uh, disasters and we review all sorts of things from disaster research and recent uh, disasters that have happened and interview people kind of coast to coast to coast who are involved in disasters. And uh, one of the things we focus on uh, this week every year is uh, we do a bit of a blitz and do a a different topic every day during emergency preparedness week. So it was nice, uh, nice synergy, but our, our main focus is, is anything disaster. And it should be noticed. This isn't our our normal shtick. Uh, I don't think we've ever done a food, uh, based podcast before, but uh, you know, with with COVID going on and the response, it is tricky to get podcasts off the ground, um, especially for both of us who kind of work in the field as well. So we haven't had as as much time. So thank you, thank you for having us on <laughs> and encouraging us to actually finish our podcast blitz. Good, good. <laughs> so last year on your podcast blitz, you talked about being prepared with food and whether you're scrounging at home or being prepared for 72 hours. Tell us more about your guys' take on that. Sure. So if you uh, want to listen, it's called the Great 72-Hour Kit Debate. But one of the biggest messages that is always pushed from government or from private companies or whatnot is this idea of being 72 hours ready. And part of that is having 72 hours worth of food. Now, the 72-hour number is absolutely up for debate, but uh, having food on hand is really important. And uh for the sake of argument, anyways, I am of the opinion that prepackaged purchased rations are the way to go. And Josh, what was your take on the whole situation? Yeah, so as a result of a, a very scientific uh, to- uh, coin toss uh, <laughs> on the, uh, the debate, so I am the guy that is uh, surviving purely on what I have in my uh, pantry and deep freeze. And uh, I'm going very deep into the deep freeze. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how quickly freezer burn isn't an issue anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So just before we go on, I just want to say that the Mess Hall Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. So this week's podcast shout out is going to the Epic Podcast. Thanks for Grayson and Josh for being on the podcast. This episode is super fun, even though we did it over uh, Zoom. I hope the quality is great. And again, these guys are really awesome it was a fun interview 
So make sure you check out their podcast, the Epic Podcast, and I'll put it in the show notes below. I know you guys are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network as well, so I'll do a quick plug for you guys there. So um, and we will and we will plug for you. <laughs> there you go. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So I hope you guys are excited for some food tasting here. Um, what do you guys have? Well, I'll tell you what we have in front of us here. Well, no, but, I'm yeah, gonna, I guess I'm gonna take it away this way. Yeah. I want to see what you scrounged. I'm just taking over here because I'm excited for that. (laughs) (laughs) If that's okay with you. (laughs) So my uh, general lack of cooking ability uh, actually comes in very handy uh, during a disaster (laughs) because most of my uh, meals are prepackaged in various boxes and containers. And uh, coming from the Maritimes, uh, one of the most essential things for me is a nice hot tea in the morning. And uh, I need my milk. So I have pre-stocked a whole bunch of uh, these Tetra Pak milks, which never expire. So no need to go uh, get fresh milk from the store. I could laugh this. I'd say this would probably do me uh, uh, probably two or three weeks. And then if this runs out, I have a bag uh, in the pantry of powdered milk, which could probably do me for a year because uh, I bought it uh, <laughs> a long time ago and I just ignore the expiry date. <laughs> Being from the Maritimes, I thought you were going to say a bag of milk. Yeah. Not powdered oh, milk. Just bag bag I, milk. That's where I went yeah. to. <laughs> also, some heat. <laughs> so, how long, when you open that the Tetra Pack of milk, how long will that last out on the cupboard after it's open? Yeah. Well, so it says that uh, you know it doesn't need to be refrigerated or anything while you're uh, while you're storing it. But once you open it, uh, it needs to be refrigerated, and it says it's good here for a week. Uh, oh, okay. So. Yeah, that sounds like a good that. two weeks, though, right? <laughs> I can stretch that, right? Yeah, or open uh, open part of it and then freeze the other half. Depends how desperate mm. I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I like that. I I didn't think of having milk in our emergency pack. So yeah, it's usually the, the milk is usually the cause of uh, all of the refrigerators and deep freezers and whatnot being thrown out after a disaster. So. There you go, Josh. You've oh. solved this problem. Okay. You've, you've solved the economic crisis of having to <laughs> buy another refrigerator. The preparedness in running out of milk has paid off in the disaster. <laughs> That's awesome. Grayson, you're on the total opposite end. You have That's a right. couple packages of... That's right. I'm um, all about yeah. the pre-packaged, uh, pre-prepared, uh, survival-specific meals. So I have, <clears throat> courtesy of the Canadian Armed Forces, thank you, Um, A couple of uh, the IMPs, the individual meal packs that get provided as uh, rations for the military during deployment. Uh, And I understand that you've actually done a little bit of research on. I have. So, I mean, it goes back that in Civil War times, um, canned goods were used, right? And they were pretty heavy. um, And then part of that is that spam was sent to the Pacific in World War II, which is why in Hawaii, spam is so popular. You can get spam sushi. (laughs) I couldn't try it when I was there. It just smelled too bad. Um, (laughs) See, I couldn't try spam sushi because of the nori on it. And I was looking forward to trying spam sushi. But once I smelled that nori, it was just... Done. I mean, it was at like a 7-Eleven type store. So (laughs) also in World War II, this is a bit of an aside. I've talked about how the owner of Kool-Aid sent uh, lemon drink to soldiers. They they couldn't, he couldn't send it under Kool-Aid, just the name, but 
and people oh oh grayson is holding That's what I've up got right here. his cool his lemon <laughs> yeah. drink yeah my, my tan cat pat lemon lime yeah. uh powdered drank <laughs> yep so and then i mean in world war ii they kind of even tried to change things they used salted or dried meat just because it was lighter but it wasn't actually till later on that things began to change like in 1966 there they came up with a dehydrated meal in a waterproof pouch kind of freeze-dried but not quite there and then over the years a lot of the Technology has changed, and I guess it depends where you're deployed, what they serve you, and yeah, and coffee is normally talked about how important it is to have coffee, which I get. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more of a coffee drinker than tea. I drink both. It could be one or the other, but yeah. So you talk about coffee, and you say it's important. Grayson, you have coffee in your packet. I do. I've got both coffee and tea. Uh, unfortunately, the coffee can only be made in your mouth while drinking out of a canteen. So that's the uh, that's the <laughs> army way. Um, a little bit of a limit there. Uh, but no, there's. I'm actually yeah. quite in, impressed always with these IMPs, with everything except the taste of them. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Do we want to launch into to this? Or actually, you've got something to show as well. Yeah, we have some freeze-dried items here. So we have some ag-based product. I'm going to say it that way because it's because it's, <laughs> it's huevos rancheros, and she uh, has trouble saying. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was. It looks interesting. We'll we'll get into it more when we try it. But we also have uh, granola with strawberries in it, pad thai, and we have a chocolate chocolate cheesecake. So all these were freeze dried, and I know you have a little yeah. bit of research on freeze dried. So if you want to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, so another word for freeze-dried food is, because these are sound fun to say, and I'm probably going to butcher how they're said, but lyophilization or cryodesiccation. <laughs> Obviously. I can see why freeze-dry. Uh, Dr. Josh, product. does that sound right? <laughs> Sorry, that's that's out of my scope. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't read my handwriting 100% anyway, so... it rep- Freeze-drying reportedly goes back to the Incans, who... In like the 1400s, they would store their food in Machu Picchu, and the mountain air was the low air pressure helped to dry out the food, and then the the low temperatures helped to freeze it. And often it was potatoes, and that dish kind of became known as chuño. They would eat it in emergency situations. It was fitting for what is we it do. The same as astronaut food. Um, astronaut food? no, that was until the 60s, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is freeze-drying. It's They don't do it in mountains, though. They use technology. <laughs> um, there's a whole bunch of history. Where did it come from? There, There's talk about in the 1850s. There's talk about early 1900s. Not really sure, but the, in during World War II, blood was freeze-dried to send to soldiers from... Like, no to send the, the blood from the U.S. to Europe. Now, we are not eating any blood here. <laughs> that's that's not happening. But more. <laughs> and then, yeah, definitely NASA played a part in the development of freeze-dried food. They just were looking for a lighter way to get it up to space and also to reduce crumbs, which a lot of the food up in space has a gelatin coating so, to because of crumb issues. Mm. I feel like Avery should coat all of his food in gelatin so he'd be a cleaner eater but that's 
That's just a marriage problem. We don't have to divulge to everyone. <laughs> yeah, so shall right. we get into eating? <laughs> I, I have a question, Grayson. Do, is, is it true that uh, the different items in the kit have like a currency when you're actually like in field conditions? Mm. Like I'll trade you two packs of oh, coffee my God, yeah. one of your like granola bars or something. Like what's, yeah. the, what, what's the going rate? Oh man, well, M&Ms are the big one. If you're really uh, lucky, you'll have okay. some M&Ms in, in the IMP. Uh, but I think it's actually, it, it's a class system as well, because at the lower ranks, you have currency. You just trade your IMPs for what you want. Uh, yeah, you got some coffees. The, another big one is the peanut butter packets, because you can just pop, pop them in your, your pocket. So not mm. everything comes with, with peanut butter. Oh. But once you move up the ranks or even into like a junior leadership position, it becomes a point of pride that you don't choose first basically that you don't choose what meal you get so the way that a lot of these are made you know it comes in some cardboard and then it's all um i think basically in in heavy duty tin foil and then you put these into uh some boiling water pressure cooker uh and the whole platoon or the whole section that's just one pressure um pressure cooker so the whole section puts it in there and then it's it's the lower ranks that will go through and try to find their own and then the master corporals and sergeants will just wait until the last one is there and they will eat whatever the most horrible IMP is. And usually <laughs> that's the, the sausage links are the, the worst of the worst of all the IMP. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I like that pun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In my research, I came more across MREs, meals ready to eat, but also that a lot of people call them meals rejected by everyone or meals rejected by <laughs> Ethiopians. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I can't that's, attest to that. I've yeah. never had them. That's, but. The, uh, that's the U.S. version of the, the IMP. Yeah. Um, and I, it was actually very refreshing. I went and did an exercise with the, the U.S. Armed Forces and got to eat their IMPs. And it was, uh, it was actually quite good. They have um, the most delicious thing in them was a milkshake. And it was so, so good. And then they discontinued them oh. because all of the milkshakes had E. coli in them. So, oh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. dare they? So, so can... at the very least, like the Canadians one might not be as delicious, but they won't kill you, which is kind of nice. Oh, yeah. 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 I know the uh, MREs we've used uh, for Hussar uh, operations, uh, they have a, this peculiar warning that when you use the chemical pack in them, it uh, will set off a CO detector. But interestingly, it doesn't actually create any carbon monoxide. But uh, I tested this out and had one heating up near one of the carbon monoxide detectors, and it, and it will alarm. So it puts off some sort of interesting uh, byproduct gas that's uh, picked up by CO detectors. But apparently, it's not lethal either. So huh, interesting. And the, the IMPs come with the, the little cooking bag, and it's got basically a heater pack in. And it creates a, a whole bunch of steam. And these are the military ones, so they probably more steam than the, the civvy ones so uh, quite often they get used as uh, smoke signals or if you put it inside a pressurized bottle you can do uh, an improvised training uh, improvised explosive device so that's ah, some interesting. Extra, yeah. extra uses yeah so, food and weapon so what's the best trade you have ever made from your imp i traded off a of sentry duty for some candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these are valuable is what I'm saying. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what's, what's the best and worst items you ever had in those? Oh boy. This is uh, I, again, the sausage links are truly the worst 
uh, breakfast food. They they taste like they took the gristle out of all of the other sausages and just put it into this this bag. It's really really bad. But I actually I actually have here two of kind of the cream of the crop IMPs. Okay. So this is a, a lunch and dinner. This is a chipotle chicken carbonara, which is pretty good. And then I have a smoked meat with demi glaze sauce. Uh, this is menu item number ten. If anyways, <laughs> they both sound delicious. It's, it's a number ten. So yeah. So I t- I took out the the best of the best. And legend has it that these don't expire at all if stored properly. Now, I've had these in my pantry for a very, very long time. And I can tell you that while they might remain edible, uh, the taste definitely changes <laughs> over oh, time. Okay. Yeah. And some of the, the bonus items, like the candy bars and whatnot, they definitely um, expire by any reasonable person's standards. But uh, apparently, they're just so chock full of MSG that, uh, that they don't expire. <laughs> Yeah. Let's say how many calories are in one of those, Grayson? Uh, yeah, I looked this up, and forever? it's it's so it's it's meant for being um, active. So it's thirty two hundred calories per kind of meal item, and then if you eat the whole thing, it's a lot more than that. Uh, so at some point, I'll, I'll go through kind of what's in them, um, and I also have a a, a matrix, matrix of what of makes, what a, makes good a good emergency meal. Oh, if you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised at like when I was looking at these, the calories are right out front and like very prominent because yeah. I think that calorie t- intake is very important when you're in that survival mode. So mm-hmm. I think that's why these ones have the calories right on front. So yeah, and yeah, one not, of the there's brain. not a whole lot of nutritional in- information on these IMPs. It just says food, and then <laughs> <laughs> away you go. Yeah. Do your ones have uh, self-heating uh, options on them, or how does it say to heat yours? Well, they're kind of weird. Like the eggs just say water because it's like a powdered egg. And then I had to cook them afterwards in a frying pan. The cheesecake was just cold water and it's supposed to mix up, let it sit for 10 minutes and coagulates from there. And then just the pad thai and the granola, I use boiling water. So cook and then you zip the bag again. So it sort of steams itself and cooks itself inside. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but no fancy uh, bags that you just cook it in so that could become weapons (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess a frying pan could be a weapon but (laughs) i mean avery's cooking can as well oh (laughs) i had to cool well do you want to try some of yours yeah well kind of yeah let's do it i want to try some we'll, we'll go we'll go most delicious to least delicious uh, I, yours looks most delicious, and then Josh, you can have your glass of milk. <laughs> Powdered milk. Don't even reconstitute it; just dry milk. So, so we're gonna start with breakfast. Yeah, I rarely have food without ketchup because ketchup is delicious. And I don't know the last time I ever had eggs without ketchup, but there's like beans in here as well. And I thought I saw a fleck of red pepper. I really thought it was couscous with raisins and nuts. It's a interesting salty yeah definitely salty (laughs) it reminds me oh what does it remind me of yeah all i have in my head now is couscous like dried (laughs) out couscous that you measured and didn't put enough water in is kind of the texture it really needed hot sauce to cover the flavor which was just bitter (laughs) yeah it was definitely salty you definitely need a couple glasses of water to chug this down with maybe it tastes better after a long day of sandbagging maybe maybe well, this is, we, 
This is called Backpackers Pantry, so it's more less emergency emergency preparedness as campers. But I mean, if I'm out in the woods, I'm hungry, and that's enough to call it an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would not re- recommend this at all. <laughs> I'd rather be hungry. <laughs> now I'm kind of curious. Oh, he's choking on the dryness of the eggs. I nope, swear. Fourteen days. <laughs> no podcast is rehearsed in the making. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of curious on this one because it's like a milk product and there's strawberries in it. Strawberry granola. Yeah, I've had pre-dried It smells fruit. pretty good. I'm just gonna give it a little mix-up here. I like yeah. the concept. I'm all about the breakfasts. Yeah. Master breakfast. A support meal of the day. Still. <laughs> is it lumpy? Like you're really stirring that. <laughs> like a runny granola i followed the recipe uh when we do cook stuff on the show i cooked the i follow the recipe almost exactly so yeah. and then we let it sit for half an hour <laughs> <laughs> that tastes way better than the eggs that was really good it was really good it was messy but i think yeah too much too much liquid we should mix them together those strawberries are delicious yeah yeah they're free i guess be just restried strawberries inside and they plumped up nicely inside and they have oh, nice okay. flavor, so. I feel like oatmeal is a good thing. You could, like, doctor that up with your other camping, you know, like trail mix and things yeah. like that you can have with you. That'd be an easy one to maybe supplement a bit. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're right because, like, I, I don't always eat the healthiest. <laughs> but the chocolate chips that went into the <laughs> into the cheesecake you could put into the granola. And then the nuts that went into the pad thai you could put into the granola. There you go. Cross-pollination. I yes. like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. I mean, it's you could just take granola and it would be lighter. I'm sure, <laughs> but and powdered milk. But no, that's really good. I'll probably eat this leftover tomorrow <laughs> for breakfast. Those eggs will not. I won't even give those to the dog. There, there are varying degrees of emergencies, and not feeling like making breakfast in the morning. I, in my books, is still one. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> Now we're going to try the pad thai. It smells incredible. And it's made by the same company, the Backpackers Pantry. Yeah. So, Which actually have been around since 19, the 1970s. A rough camping trip with the Girl Guides inspired this family to <laughs> to make these these meals. Oh, it looks like a side dish. Like, <laughs> like a box. Emergency inspired dish. meals as well. Yeah. yeah. That is really good. That lime that's in there is nice. The crunch from the peanuts are holding up. The noodles are really well cooked. Yeah, that was really good. That, And that's what it looked like. Was like a, I've had something almost specifically like this that came in a pouch like this and just some sort of side dish. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, because I don't know what you had. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me, it was really good, though. It was surprisingly good. It's not like, wow, that was really good for something freeze-dried. It was surprisingly good. So reach for the pad thai first, is what you're saying. Yes, definitely. Um, I'd have that for breakfast. Pad thai for breakfast? Were the eggs bad enough that you'd rather have pad thai for breakfast? Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now we have dessert. And I don't care what anyone says. Chocolate. If you don't have chocolate, that's the emergency. So chocolate cheesecake. (laughs) I really believe. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I feel like you've got full range for for the desserts because it's going to be, you know, more sugar for justify the preservation, <laughs> sugar and fat. <laughs> good morale meal. Yeah. 
Yeah. It would be. And if you if you're in an emergency situation with say your wife, <laughs> this is what you could do to make it up to her. That and some wine. Or even Bailey's and coffee. <laughs> would go perfectly with that yeah i it was like pudding the cheesecake is it like liquid form or what like like a slurry like what is it it was like a formed pieces of cheesecake i'd say like a pudding almost yeah with almost like almost like oreos crushed in like that was what the chocolate chunks were kind of like was kind of like an oreo texture crumbled on top but yeah yeah they were it was good yeah i thought the pad thai was the best but yeah, I think we'll do a recap at the end, but I'm excited yeah, to can't. hear about the IMPs. Like, I, I want to know what's <laughs> no in there. No offense to what was at the back of your freezer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll uh, deconstruct and, and build out the uh, Chipotle chicken carbonara. If that sounds Maybe. good. Yeah. That, um, but that before really I good. begin, I, I do. I'm going to go through um, my very scientific, not made up at all. Uh, Grayson's totally evidence-based tenets of a good emergency ration. Um, so there are four rules, and rule number one, and this is the most important rule of all, is they have to be gross. <laughs> so, and this is this is important because otherwise you'll just eat it if it's not an emergency. In fact, the grosser the meal, and these IMPs can be a little bit uh, gross, the better the emergency ration. And in fact, I I think it's an indicator of severity. If you're sitting down in the middle of a field and being like, man, this IMP is delicious. That's how you know things are really, really bad. Um, <laughs> a powdered so, egg emergency would be like. Yeah, there you go. A powdered eggs the style yeah. of emergency. Yeah. 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 Rule, rule number two, and this is important for me, uh, is they have to be hard to get into. So, <laughs> I know you can't see through the podcast, but all of my emergency rations are actually ripped open and all of the candy bars are missing because I have no self-control. <laughs> so so they have to be hard to get into (laughs) and uh so like a can or something and it has to be something that you can't like reseal up and and Mm. pretend like you were never there so this hits one of those is that it's a paper uh, kind of a paper bag and you have to rip it open to to get it started so there's no pretending you weren't in there (laughs) um rule number three is they have to have utensils included and this is especially important for imps because all of the heavy-duty tinfoil bags that these things come in are super long. They're like easily, easily like ten inches long or something like that. And uh, you can't get a normal spoon into the bags to actually eat the food. And when you tear it, it's quite sharp. So you get a bunch of soldiers like cutting themselves. And funnily enough, on the inside of every IMP, there's a, there's a feedback form. <laughs> um, like a little piece of paper, no web link or anything. And I think they knew that people would be eating these in the field and they'd never receive feedback, but they did uh, emphatically that uh, they needed to make the bags shorter. And they're like, well, that sounds expensive. So instead they issued a really long spoon. <laughs> so, uh, so it's really important that you keep these really long spoons. And in my tack vest, which is meant for like, you know, grenades and and ammunition i've got a bunch of spoons tucked away because if you run out of these really long spoons then you're you're hoped you're hooped rather yeah i i think josh was on to something i think you were going to say blizzard spoons. yeah that's where i was going (laughs) there you go blizzard spoons perfect yeah yeah Yeah, there you go so strategic stockpile of blizzard spoons (laughs) yeah and then the uh the last rule is that uh they should make you feel tactical so none of this uh fancy food uh i know you can't see it but everything in here is tan colored and comes in a vaguely labeled military looking cardboard box you can 
reuse the cardboard box for your field notes or your or your sentry map or whatever you need. And then it comes in that heavy duty um, tinfoil bag that I was talking about. So those are my those are my kind of four rules for an effective emergency ration. I know uh, Josh might not uh, agree from the scrounger perspective. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'll open it up. So this is, again, is the Chipotle chicken carbonara. Uh, it's got the main meal. Um, I could heat it up, but I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to do true survival mode. It's got uh, another main, which is the dessert. And um, I've got one that I opened up before, and it's a, a mango peach applesauce. Actually, mm. pretty excited about that. And then I'll just dump everything out. It comes with a whole bunch of accoutrement as well. Uh, one of the most important pieces in here is the bread. So in all of the lunch IMPs anyway, there's usually a uh, totally condensed piece of bread. It says, do not eat the packet, but uh, <laughs> bread tastes similar to the, the packet. And uh, I think it's like five or six slices of bread that have been condensed down to something the size of a, a, a deck of cards. And the first time I had this, it's actually one of my favorite things. The first time I had this, it uh, reminded me of, you know, that scene in Lord of the Rings where uh, Legolas meets up with the Wood Elves and they they uh, hand them that magical energy yeah, bread. Yeah. I feel like that's what this is because it's super dense. It has way more sugar than normal <laughs> bread would have in it, and it it makes you just go forever. How soft um, is it? Like, is it almost like a Melba toast, or does um, it have it's, some? It's give- soft. Like it. It's like it's like biting a sponge. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Same sort of consistency, similar taste. Yeah. And then <laughs> what you don't want to do is put peanut butter on the bread. You save the peanut butter for later. So, okay. Yeah. I, I'd be a rookie and make that mistake and put peanut butter oh, on right away. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got some coffee in here. Some uh a lot of the meals come with um sort of a rice additive, so you can just add some water and just have some crunchy, not quite rehydrated rice. So I'm gonna try out the uh the main here it's even got some tortillas that i guess you're supposed to put on it another yeah another piece that you need you need a big knife to get into these things because it can be <laughs> a little bit tricky all right so oh, yeah i'm gonna open up the tortilla have myself a delicious wrap there's also some shortbread in here mm, like co- shortbread a, cookies a, i guess yeah mm. i think those are the things that might go bad everything starts to taste like play-doh after a while <laughs> I've learned by accident, Play-Doh does not taste good. <laughs> Fair enough. Alrighty. Mm, you, can, you can definitely taste the MSG in there. <laughs> Brings out the kind of the misery <laughs> of it all. Immediate headache. Yeah. How are those tortillas holding bad. up? They're a little crumbly, not going to lie. Okay. Yeah. No, they're definitely falling to pieces in my hand. <laughs> It looks like they gave you some, is that salt and pepper packets? Or what else do you have in the mm-hmm. little condiments kit there? I'm oh, man, I've never done a podcast while that. eating. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Nor, neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's uh, yeah, some salt and pepper in there. There's a little handy wipe. Like, they thought of everything. And oh. in fact, there's even two pieces of gum at the end. Oh, now, nice. You might think that this is for like freshening your breath or something like that. No, no, no. Crazy. Not the case at all. This is to counter the effects of the IMP. So the IMP with all its MSG and its salt and everything, uh, one of the, depending on how far you are into the field anyways, one of the great effects is that you no longer have to go to the washroom for several days <laughs> after after eating an IMP. 
if you ever want to go to the washroom again, you eat the gum and the aspartame in it and, and whatever's in there actually Orbital. starts the system going again. What is it, sir? The sorbitol. Yeah, there you go. It's the, the sorbitol uh, that's that's in there that gets the uh, the system going again. So hmm. keep the keep the gum handy. So yeah, that was actually really good. I want to know if the handy wipe also says do not eat on it. <laughs> actually, let me check. No, it's a normal handy wipe. <laughs> Try it. it. And refreshments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was actually really good. The uh, like the chicken sort of tastes like chicken. It's got some <laughs> spices in there. And then the dessert here is the uh, mango peach applesauce. Interesting. So would you eat all of those up together and then? Like I all- I wouldn't unless you were. It depends on the season. If it's winter, then yeah, you kind of all huddle in the tent and eat at all at the same time. Yeah. But one of the things you do if you were out in the field is kind of like field strip it, take them all to pieces, put them in different pockets, and just be eating kind of throughout the day. Again, I wouldn't recommend field stripping it as an emergency ration because it makes it far too accessible and easy to eat. Right. All right, let's try this out. I'm kind of surprised you're using a spoon for that out of a pouch. Yeah, I would go. just want to squeeze it. <laughs> and I don't even mean in out in the field. I just mean in my kitchen because yeah. I don't want to do one extra dish. <laughs> yeah, okay, that... I guess MRE is no, no dishes. Mm-hmm. The original mm-hmm. skip the dishes. Yeah, that's right. Okay, the, the mango applesauce is exactly what you would think it is. It's, it's fruity. It's got way too much sugar. Uh, it's a little runnier than I thought it would be. Um, and yeah, I could see eating this and then having a boost of energy for sure. Nice. Would you heat that up if you were in the field and you had the opportunity? Or do you prefer your applesauce just nice and room temperature or cold? Yes, it depends if it was summer or winter. A, a yeah. hot applesauce would be delicious in winter warfare yeah. type yeah. scenario. Yeah. So there you have it. And there's even a little mint at the end. <laughs> there's no hey, trick I, to the mint you can actually have the mint no the you end. can actually eat that it's only a mint <laughs> it doesn't do anything <laughs> funny to your body Seem- yeah. over here Grayson because my ah. when I was scrounging I have mints uh, from pearls I have mints from uh, moxies uh, <laughs> and I've got generic lifesavers so I've got a variety of uh, mints <laughs> look at you <laughs> Yep. Going to restaurants. <laughs> <Me go. laughs> I also just read on the side of my milk bottle that, uh, uh, well, let's read this to you. It says, a unique purification method and a specially designed package maintains the milk's great taste, freshness, and nutritional value without refrigeration as long as the carton is sealed. Mm. But there is an expiry date on the top for a year from now. So maybe okay. they won't. They're not totally <laughs> standing behind their claim. <laughs> all of our, all of ours had a ten-year shelf life. That's what it says yeah. on the package. So, so is it is it dairy milk or it looked like it was soy milk or something? Uh, no, I think yeah, it's, or... it's ordinary cow milk. It's two percent, uh, yeah, partly skimmed. And oh, I like their quote here. It's uh, <laughs> freshly convenient. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Worlds convenient, uh, yeah, <laughs> without refrigeration. <laughs> So do you also have like ketchup packets at your house and stuff like that? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have a wide variety of leftover takeout uh, <laughs> accessories. <laughs> so you could eat your um, <laughs> disaster meals with chopsticks, with plastic cutlery from multiple places. Um, and uh, I would be surviving purely on what I have available in my fridge and pantry and uh, getting creative with the 
the bachelor cooking. <laughs> How long do you think you could survive off of everything in your pantry? I'm not including fridge because I assume in worst case scenario, the fridge, the power has gone out. So just pantry cooking, how much, how long do you think you would have supplies for? I think I could go a long time. Actually, we had, I had a look actually before this, the COVID, uh, uh, you know, crisis was starting and, uh, I was like, Oh, should I, should we stock up on stuff? And I mean, if push came to shove, I could self-isolate at home for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and not have an issue. Might, I might get a bit redundant and a bit tired of, uh, leftover canned chili, but I think I had enough, uh, <laughs> enough things there that would last me quite a while. We did the same thing. We were thinking right when the COVID started here, should we stock up? But then we looked in our fr- fridge and our pantry, especially, and we figured if worse comes to worse, we have at least two weeks of food. So we didn't have to go hoard toilet paper yeah. or hoard canned goods or anything like that. We just thought we have enough to survive off of at least two weeks. So, but somehow we've still spent hundreds on groceries every week and have eaten <laughs> hundreds of groceries every week. And I don't know how yeah. that happened. The real the real uh, emergency meal in COVID is skip the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've yeah, definitely proof uh, business right now. No, I mean, no. I've had a uh, great success. Uh, my wife and I use a, 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 like one of the meal delivery services. Just bring you the ingredients and you cook it yourself. But okay, uh, yeah. uh, we've been doing that for about a year before this all started. But it's been great for us. Get, it gives you at least four or dinners a night or a week. And uh, yeah, I know there's a few different companies out there doing that. And I've seen some new ones popping up in Alberta too. Nice, nice. I, we always talk about those, but we've we've never gone down that route. So. And these days I'm at home anyway, making dinner or something I look forward to doing. It's at that yeah. point. Uh, yeah. You guys should do do a uh, a delivery race against some of the different companies and just watch them coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could turn that into a drinking game for sure. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Disaster morale. Awesome. Well, I think there's there's many different options then for how to stay well fed during a disaster. There definitely is. Hey, everybody. We're just going to take a quick time out from this epic podcast to bring you an ad from one of our sponsors. With Pod Power, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, we're giving out a Pod Power shout out to What on Earth Can We Do? What on Earth Can We Do is a podcast produced by the Alberta Emerald Foundation. In this annual series, hosts Colleen and Gregory chat with Alberta's environmental leaders about hot topics like food waste, reusing and recycling, and more. While tackling ecological challenges as individuals can seem daunting, we can learn together how to answer the question, what on earth can we do? To listen and find out more, visit emeraldfoundation.ca slash podcast. Do you guys have any tips to make sure you have extra stuff? Like what kind of stuff do you recommend that we have on hand during a survival situation or you you mentioned like 72 hours at one point, which at that. Yeah. There's some, there are some recommendations. You can look on the uh, public Canada safety website as well as uh, just in Alberta here, the uh, Alberta Emergency Management Agency website has some guidance. Uh, I would say one of the more important things that, you know, obviously we can go more than 72 hours without food, might not be happy, but you, you're not going to, you're not going to be dying. 
you know, having a good source of water on hand is mm-hmm. probably one of the most important things. And there's some guidelines for how much water to have uh, per person in your household, whether it's going to be for uh, basic um, personal hygiene and uh, for consumption or just consumption. And then also uh, knowing just the basic formulas for how to clean water. If there is a problem with the clean water supply that was effect- like after a flood, for example, it can affect a big, huge uh, uh, swath of uh, um, geography and uh, you know it might be days until you have clean potable water and if you also have other disruptions it might be difficult to have a boil water advisory so knowing how to use bleach and other techniques to to have safe drinking water so I think those are would be the, the key things and there's all just the general uh, emergency supplies you'd want to have on hand as well going back to yeah. the water question if you're out in the field with an IMP how much water would you have on hand with yourself mm. yeah one of the uh, the myths of of the military is uh, I think it's mainly a Hollywood problem, but um, it they're always portrayed as you know surviving off of nothing and and out in the bush. The military is a giant machine. We always have uh, vehicles backing us up and water being dropped and and all of the above. So um, I think the military it again changes per season. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's something like nine liters per soldier per day. Uh, as kind of a, a really minimum amount of water for basic hygiene and and uh, drinking purposes. So um, you don't only get that like one tiny canteen that's always like a no no fill. yeah 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 hundred percent. Okay. Uh, the, it's actually quite and Grayson brings a good point. To, you know, for most organized responses, when you talk about like uh, you know a government response or FEMA or somebody like that, uh, generally there's there's a large amount of food that's wasted at the end of the response. That's actually mm-hmm. the norm. Uh, and uh, a lot and of bottled people, water yeah. and water. I mean, even yeah. just Alberta, I mean, we, you know, and, uh, some of the bigger disasters in the U S as well, they had to pay millions of dollars uh, after Katrina, for example, to dispose of ice and water that was uh, either donated or, or, you know, they purchased way too much. So in first world, uh, we, uh, tend to not have true scarcities of things in disaster. We have a relative scarcity and we've seen that with COVID. I mean, even with, uh, you know, the run on toilet paper, where yeah. was Canada actually out of toilet paper? No, there was a relative scarcity. We were kind of transiently out a bit for a few days. And now I went to the grocery store the other day and there is toilet paper, at least here in Edmonton, filling the aisles and it's a, there's a toilet paper sale because they have so much extra toilet paper they're trying to get yep. rid of. And I feel bad for whoever has to do the the product ordering because I'm sure they're probably, you know, out of uh, um, uh, hair clippers, but <laughs> enough uh, toilet paper to last a century. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember, um, I remember uh, working in Fort McMurray I helped set up a, a tent and we literally just filled it with donated bottled water that we had nowhere else to put. Uh, it, it, I would echo what Josh says is, is quite often you get fixated on the basic needs, you know, food and water. It's actually quite easy to provide small amounts of both of those things anywhere across Canada, but the systemic parts of it, the, you know, the water systems are, are that's what we need to look at in terms of vulnerabilities. So mm. even, um, even a flood can drastically impact the the water supply if uh, it gets overrun or whatnot and and we're even seeing with pandemic it's the people who run the critical infrastructure are impacted which of course directly impacts the the critical infrastructure so i think taking it from from that lens is is more useful than how many bottles of water do you need to survive a disaster because the answer is i don't know 
Hmm. And I'm thinking of people in Fort McMurray right now who are under a boil water advisory. Hmm. I saw a friend posted till September, she heard, so I feel kind of bad for them right now. <laughs> and also, I mean, I could look this up, but I have two people, one of you might like who might know. Can you drink snow? Or I've heard that actually makes you thirstier. Is that true? You know? <laughs> Good question. So there are microorganisms that live in snow. So if you've ever been out on uh, the glacier or whatnot, you can see kind of a pink sheen. It's called watermelon snow. That's a bunch of maybe bacteria or some sort of microorganism uh, living in there. And if you don't boil it, yeah, you get you get sick. Mm. So uh, new snow, maybe not such a, a big problem. But um, uh, it's also interesting the amount of energy it takes, whether it's a stove or your body heat or whatever, to melt snow uh, is almost, it's almost counterproductive to, to go that, that route. Um, so big organizations definitely don't boil snow as a, as a water source. Uh, they ship in actual water. It's, it's just not a very efficient way to do things. Okay, that's interesting. Just a just a little debate I had with some moms. <laughs> Kids are always <laughs> drinking snow, and when someone yeah. will say or eating snow, and someone's like, "Yeah, at least they're getting their water for today." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just throw that out there. No, that's awesome. I I thought this was really awesome. This was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed I, it. I, I, I'm putting a plug in for my everyday preparedness. I don't have a dedicated uh, kit, but I just follow the. You know, the principle is just like with my car. I, I tried to never let my fuel get below a three quarters tank. If I ever had to evacuate or do something, I'm always, my car's always, I just know, know it's ready to go. If they keep uh, three, uh, you know, the tank above three quarters and same thing with my milk supply. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'll put in a similar, I'll put in a similar plug for social preparedness. I think one of the most important things you could do uh, at this time is go in and physically distantly, but uh, go and visit your neighbors strengthen up some of those social ties and just like we're doing here reach out to people who maybe you haven't had a, a connection with find some common ground and how you can work together to get through these rather difficult times that we're all experiencing yeah it's you're so right on that i think that's something that's getting lost right now and you know i've i work in a senior's home so yesterday was the first day we were able to have some families come by outside and see their loved ones and just the morale it brought to some of the people and yeah. the look on their and, face and, and happiness. So, And while we're talking about food, that's another thing that's kind of been lost. You know, food for so many cultures, including the one I am part of, is massively impactful in social gatherings. So the, the fact that uh, we can't really share food anymore has been mm -hmm. absolutely a detriment to, to mental health. So Thank you for sharing a meal with, with us. No, thank you. It was great. It was fun. It was the first time we got to do something like this over Zoom. So thanks for joining us. And I'm really happy we got to join you guys in your podcast and the Emergency Preparedness Week. So it was, it was a great time. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. I hope you guys stay safe. And thanks for all you're doing on the, on the front lines there at the nursing home. Yeah, thank you. It's, it is what it is. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I guess this is signing off. And again. Um, where can people find you guys? Where can they find the podcast? More information about emergency preparedness, stuff like that. So yeah, they can uh, just visit our website, epicpodcast.ca, and uh, you can have a listen. And we've got links to some other resources as well. Awesome. We're also fairly active on Twitter, so epic underscore underscore podcast is where you can find awesome. us. On Twitter. And we'll make sure we put all that in our show notes. So great, awesome. awesome. Thanks, guys.
Thanks, thanks, Grayson. Thanks, Josh. Have a wonderful evening. Yes, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.